Welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast. I'm continuing the conversations had with cheesemakers from the beginning of the pandemic to get an update on how things have changed a year in. Georgia is not the first state to come to mind when thinking about delicious cheese, but one taste of Sweetgrass Dairy's cheeses will have you reconsidering that notion. On today's episode, I have Jessica Little and Liza Kaplansky joining me to help change your mind about Southern cheese. Sweetgrass Dairy is a second-generation regenerative farm that produces high-quality milk from their pastured cows. Due to their mild winters and being above Floridian aquifers that keep the ground naturally irrigated and the cows cooled, Sweetgrass exists as a barn-free farm. They've faced some unique challenges this year besides the 70% loss of sales at the beginning of the pandemic. They were already in the process of a full rebrand, hired a new sales manager in 2019, and had worked for five years to build a new production facility that finally finished in the last few days of 2020. How on earth did the Sweetgrass team keep it together through all of that? Let's dig in with Jessica and Liza to find out. Jessica Little and I'm a co-owner of Sweetgrass Dairy, which is located in Thomasville, Georgia. Hi, I'm Liza. Um, I'm the national sales manager for Sweetgrass Dairy, and I live on the West Coast. So we are a second-generation family-owned creamery, and we make a range of artisan cow's milk cheeses from my parents and my brother's farms. So they farm in a New Zealand rotational grazing style, meaning that the cows live out on grass 365 days a year and uh, produce really high quality milk. And then my husband and I make cheeses from this great milk to hopefully tell the story of our regional uh, foodstuffs, what makes it so special here and uh, sustainable agriculture and humane animal husbandry. Awesome. Well, a lot's happened this year. So let's go back to where we were this time last year and give me a snapshot of what was happening, where you guys were standing, were you making cheese, where, what were your sales, what did your sales look like? Just give me a rundown of what everything looked like this time last year. Yikes. Um, okay. So I'm going to give a little bit of a rundown and, um, and then actually ask Liza to give her input as well because we were seeing it you know of course from two different sides but solving problems together so um, before the pandemic roughly 70 percent of our sales was through food service channels so we were able to grow sweetgrass dairy to a point um, just selling through food service and we knew that we were building a new production facility and we were gonna to have to expand sales um, into more retail channels, which is very difficult. And so in July of 2019, we hired Liza to help us with expanding sales nationally, as well as in the retail space. So um, she, I feel like had maybe just gotten her feet under her and then the pandemic hit. And um, uh, immediately, I think April's numbers, we were down 70 plus percent. It was very, very scary. And um, by the end of May, I had a conversation with our accountant and I said, what does this look like? Because it was really, really important to us to not have to lay anybody off. You know, we live in a state where the first cheesemakers in Georgia 
Um, there's only six cheesemakers in the state and none by us. So it's not like we could easily rehire people <laughs> that knew how to make cheese. And it was, we're a small company. We have a restaurant as well, uh, but we only have about 50 employees. So it was really important to us to try to keep as many people as we could. We did have a lot of people, especially from the restaurant that, you know, wanted to stay at home, you know, they were homeschooling their kids or whatever. So um, we definitely reduced numbers at the shop, but we kept everybody at the, the creamery. And um, we really, and so I was talking to the accountant and I said, how long can we run? And he said, you know, you've got six months and then it's gone. And it felt like such a gut punch because this is like our oldest child. Jeremy and I moved back to Thomasville um, when I was 21, I've devoted my whole adult career to, to this business. And so it feels, I mean, it's of course really special to us. So um, you, you really just, I think you put your head down and you go and, and you get kind of scrappy and Liza, I'm going to ask her to uh, kind of tell her story. Cause I think we all had to get super uncomfortable and we were in the restaurant trying to do whatever we could, whether it was meal kits and wine and cheese tastings and just trying to keep the doors open just for cash flow, you know, to pay labor. And um, and then of course, Liza was just cold calling. <laughs> trying to and Just to make it clear, you guys didn't stop making cheese at all. We through. never stopped okay. making cheese. We probably slowed down on some of the raw milk cheeses that were produced in January that were supposed to be released for sale in March and April for some new business that was all lined up. And then of course, you know, so we were sitting on a little bit of an existing inventory, but like Jessica said, still making cheese the whole time because you just have to keep moving forward. And with raw milk products, which the majority of our cheeses are, you know, you just have to make a guess and plan for the future. So, you know, I also wanted to mention, not only were we in the middle of building a brand new production facility, but we were also at the very end of a rebrand project that we had been working on for about a, over a year in total. Um, so originally our plan was to launch that rebrand in June in connection with the New York Fancy Food Show. Um, it got pushed to August, but that was a, when I think back on this time last year, it was a huge part of what we were also just like, okay, we're going to push forward with this new packaging, you know, like, and I'm so glad we did. It's been a huge tool asset for me as a salesperson. And I just love how it tells our story to the consumer in a much more sort of streamlined fashion. Um, so we were, we were rebranding, you know, the company was trying to run a restaurant in real time, um, building this new production facility with lots of delays uh, on equipment because people from Europe and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the one, the word that comes to mind is just hustle. I was just sitting at my desk, you know, obviously trying to engage with my existing network, but didn't feel like there was a lot going on there. So cold calling restaurants in Atlanta, you know, um, just, it's always a little bit of a blur, but like a lot of cold calling, um, honestly, a little bit of fire sale, just like the existing inventory was a big weight on my shoulders that I just felt like it's, just, you know, and getting calls from Jeremy where it's like, we can't move through the coolers. Like we're just bursting with cheese and, you know, just at a certain point, it just came down to like, 
we just need the space. We literally just need the space it's because we never stopped making cheese. There's nowhere to age the new cheeses if we don't move through what was already there. So, you know, even though we had to discount and do a little bit of that, you know, I'm still super grateful for the people who took my phone call and, you know, I'll never forget who those people were, you know, it, so grateful. I mean, they didn't have to do any of that. Even at a discount, they didn't have to take our cheeses, you know, and they did. So anyway, yeah, it was. Yes, uh, we'll always be grateful for those buyers who kind of picked their heads up and said, you know, how can we help, you know, yes. cheese? and um, gosh, you're right. That, that was some really, really great things that happened there. And I remember about a year ago, um, Laz and I had the conversation on, you know, we've been working on this rebrand for a year, but how in the world are we going to afford this now? Because I mean, we had already paid for the design and, you know, all of the, the videos and all this stuff, but we didn't actually pay for the packaging materials, like the updated labels. And yeah. I was like, how are we going to afford this? And, and I remember the conversation with Liza and she was like, how can we afford not to? <laughs> we, and it really did give us this great reason to get in touch with people and yeah. to stay relevant and you know continue on the conversations and say like we have these tools for you and um and things like when Liza started in the summer of 2019 um that fall we were having a conversation and she was like I just see pimento being our fastest growing skew and I was like really I just I don't know if I see that and then you know when the pandemic hit and everything needed to be retail ready um, you know, Pimento and Green Hills sales just, you know, soared as individual items. And, um, but I think it was also with the trend of Pimento. So I would say that maybe one of the biggest wins of, of the last year has been the, the growth of the Pimento cheese and the opportunities and placements that Liza has been able to secure on that and really helping us tell our story of being from the South and, you know, uh, and just really sharing a delicious product uh, with a further reach. Well, y'all know I love, love, love <laughs> mise en pimento. Um, so you mentioned like the restaurant was doing like meal kits and you had a few fire sales and Liza was beating down the doors of anybody who would listen to her. But were there any other innovations that you guys put into place that you felt were really effective? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, we've done a lot of virtual trainings and just tried to take advantage of that. Um, we're, we're continuing to do them you know, in some ways, these virtual tools, we wouldn't have prioritized before the pandemic. But now we realize like, it really is a way to make our story more accessible and easy to access. You don't have to be, take your whole day off to go to a trade show, to walk around. And, you know, you can just jump on a Zoom and meet Jessica for an hour and stuff like that. So continue to kind of try to stay innovative there. Um, you know, we did partner with like Williams Sonoma and that was a big um, help for us, I think this year, just in terms of helping our pack team who would normally, you know, I don't know, not be as busy with the distributors sales, um, stay busy with e-com type of business. And um, I would say that was definitely a big innovation for us. I mean, we'd always 
we've ha always done e-commerce, but mainly during the holidays, like everybody. And we've, it grew out of a demand for like corporate orders and that sort of thing. And um, I think last year at one point I was looking at reports and e-commerce had grown like 400%, you know? So it was really exciting to see that although people weren't going out to restaurants um, and if you looked in the beginning of the pandemic, it really seemed like, although people were buying a lot of cheese, they were buying comfort cheeses. So commodity cheddars, mozzarellas or whatever, they weren't buying artisan cheeses. And, um, but there was still demand for artisan cheeses because every cheesemaker I've talked to, everybody's e-commerce businesses were crazy. So um, it was really helpful that the end consumer still wanted to support, you know, these small creameries and, and did it in their, you know, website dollars. So you know, it, that business has allowed us like this year, one of our big initiatives is to really invest money in the website and make it easier. And, you know, we've been calling it the glow up and, uh, you know, really fixing a lot of bugs that we had. And, and, you know, without the business last year, I don't know that we could have afforded to invest in the website this year. So how did your holidays go? Like, how do you, how did you feel going into the holidays? And then how do you feel you came out of it? Well, I mean, from an e-commerce side, we actually kind of stuck with, we, we adjusted some of our projections and, you know, we were able to hit everything except for the corporate business, but we didn't know how that was going to come back, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of companies, what we found, they were doing, you know, donations, you know, to nonprofits or, you know, because people weren't in offices, they just did not do the same corporate gifts, but, um, other than that, I, we were able to, you know, exceed all of our measurables that we set in place. And I think Lila and I, we really didn't know what was going to, I mean, we were hoping <laughs> that we were going to see some great movement in the holidays, but it was just so hard because it, like, at least it felt like COVID rates were going down in the fall and things were kind of starting to turn somewhat normal. And then we took that turn again and it was quite frightening um, because you know, we were like, maybe there's not going to be any demand for our cheeses during the holidays, which is a big time for like Green Hill, soft ripen. It's our, that's our time to sell that cheese. So, yeah, I would say, you know, I was pleased at the end of the year with where we landed. I mean, basically, I, we, we were basically flat, right, Jess? And I mean, that was, I mean, we made up a lot of ground in yeah. the second half of the year for sure. And so, yeah, I look back and think, that the holidays were as successful as they could ever have been considering COVID. Um, but definitely the feedback was of course, you know, specialty cheese in general, just it, it was not the same without the parties and gatherings that happen at the holidays. So, you know, I, I'm still pleased with, with how it went. A lot of that was the work that I was doing, you know, like over the summer and early fall to kind of secure it for the, for the holidays. But, um, one thing that's interesting about this year is some feedback we've heard is um, I think it's going to be a better year for domestic cheesemakers because there were unfortunately just a lot of issues with imports and delays. So uh, the sense is that a lot of some of these bigger buyers are going to really put their eggs in the domestic artisan cheese basket because it's easier to get, you know, even if there's a trucking delay from Georgia to Washington, you know, it's a couple days versus weeks upon weeks of 
sitting on a boat that's landed in New Jersey, but can't get into the port because there's such a backup, you know, so we'll see, but I'm, I'm feeling very positive about it uh, for all American artists and cheesemakers this year. Well, I love to hear that as like yeah. a good positive going forward this year. Uh, can you talk about the new production facility and when that was finished and what y'all did to make that come to fruition? Oh my gosh. Yes. It was a five-year project and oh, I am so glad. Um, we are so thankful. Um, and actually Liza was here in Georgia, what, two weeks ago and finally, you know, got to see it, which was so fun. But um, we made our first batch of cheese on December 28th, um, which was so exciting. And it's a batch of Asher Blue. Um, and, you know, I think that, yes, like Liza said, we had so many delays because all the equipment, you know, came from overseas. And then it was you know, just things that are still going on, like shortages in steel and copper and, you know, for copper wiring and that sort of thing. But I, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably a, a great blessing because we got financed through the an SBA um, loan program that when you get your occupancy license is when your note payments start. And it's quite a large loan that we have. And so if we, it was originally supposed to be done in April of 2020, and then it got pushed back to um, August of 2020. And then we finally got in December. And um, I think that if we would have gotten our occupancy license in April, it would have been horrible <laughs> because there was no way we were going to be able to make those note payments through the summer. So um, yeah, we're, we're really, really excited and it, it has taken a lot. And even, you know, we started talking about this project. I think I remember going to our banker at the end of 2014 saying, we think we want to build a new facility, you know, you know, what, what's the process? How are we going to borrow, you know, this money? And, and then, you know, Jeremy really starting to work with different equipment manufacturers and going back to, you know, we've always just being the daughter of dairy farmers been really resourceful. So none of our original equipment was used in the way that it was intended. So like our milk vat was actually an old milk tank, you know, that had been adjusted with the steam jacket, you know, instead of a cooler in order to be able to heat the milk. And it just feels so good to be able to use equipment that was designed for this purpose. And, and that sounds so crazy, but um, it just gives us so much, you know, excitement and for consistency and, and, you know, opportunity for really great quality in the future. So um, we've been slowly moving over to the new plant. We've been producing cheese out of both plants while Jeremy gets his feet under him here. And, um, next week we're ripping the band-aid off and moving everybody over and uh it's probably before he's prepared but he is uh the kind of guy that lets perfection get in the way of progress so we were like you're done we're moving yeah. over <laughs> you and i had to be like okay jeremy we're doing it you got it's it <laughs> but it's it's great timing because um we are really seeing a lot of our food service distributors coming back online and their orders are great. I mean, it's, it really just, when you say Liza within the last month, it, we've really seen a big difference. Yeah, of course, you know, a little bit's regional, right? So like in the Southeast, I think food service opened up a little bit sooner than in other parts of the country. Um, but I'm starting to see it now, you know, we've, some conversations, you know, around food service in New York City, for example, have picked back up again. And 
um, other parts of the country. So that's really exciting. Um, our cheeses, like Jessica was saying before, you know, we have a huge background in and chefs loving our cheeses and wanting to work with them. So it's a big focus for me again this year to kind of to work on that. And, you know, um, I just had a conversation this morning with a woman in California who like can't wait to get her chef some pimento cheese. And it's just, I don't know, it's fun, like just to spread it around more. Um, but yeah, the new plant is, is beautiful and it's so the flow of it, you know, just the little things that only like nerdy cheese people would notice. Right. But just like how the milk room attaches to the production room and then the aging coolers and their, you know, humidity temperature control and just like all that exciting stuff to us. I think honestly, anybody can really identify with that. If you sit at a desk and your pen is in the wrong place, like that messes with your moment, you know? So like just having everything set up ergonomically the way that you would naturally go through your workday, that makes sense to me. So yeah. Yeah, well, it was really funny because um, we uh, bought a bunch of equipment from Qualtech and they're out of um, Quebec. And we had a technician down here a couple of weeks ago named Simon, and he's been all over working on cheese plants. And I guess it feel it sounds as though Qualtech works with usually much larger projects than what ours is. And although ours is like three times the space that we had in the old plant, it's still pretty darn small in comparison. And uh, so he's like, and he has this very thick accent. He's like, I like your tiny plant. And I was like, oh, our tiny plant. I'm so glad you like it. And he goes, no, it is very, very thoughtful. He said, it's, it's uh, tiny, but mighty. So um, he's like, you're going to really be able to make a lot of really good cheese out of here. So um, I think that maybe that's just a sweet grass dairy motto. We're tiny, but mighty. <laughs> I like it. I think it fits pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> So how did your community like in the South, did they show up for you? Did they really put uh, everything behind you guys when this was all going on? Sure. Well, I mean, just within our immediate community, for sure. I mean, they are our town. So our county is only about 50,000 people and our town has about 20,000. And um, there were a lot of really great initiatives. So our cheese shop and restaurant is in the old historic part of downtown, like the bricks. And um, a lot of restaurants closed for a long period of time. And we stayed open the whole time just because, you know, when I had employees that were calling and begging us not to close so that they could feed their children, I was like, we're going to figure out how to stay open. You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to try to figure out how to do this. So, um, I mean, we, like I said, we were doing meal kits, we were sending out an email every single week. And it was like every day we had something different. So we had family meals one day, we had kits another day, we had bottled cocktails, which was not even legal. But at that point, we we're like, you know what, we're, we're doing it. Um, whatever we can to keep the doors open. And we have a Carpeggiani machine. So we were making uh, pints of gelato, like five at a time, but all day long. And, um, you know, just, and then of course, the wine and cheese, um, boxes and tastings, and we were selling case, mixed cases of wines. It was just cleaning out the Euro cobs and whatever, you know, making all these notes. And, and so the community was really amazing, but it was really interesting to see like all the repeat people, um, you know, that every single week they were like, if they got behind the new gelato flavors, they were coming every single week for the gelato flavors. So, um, which I think is, is really, really awesome. So just from a, a local standpoint, um, I, I think that 
I couldn't have asked for more. They, our local community was so incredible. And, um, and really one thing that was so awesome is we, our new plant is literally right next door to the second harvest food bank that services five counties. So we were so lucky to be right here and being able to donate cheese. And we would hear about there's, you know, programs called backpack buddies, which is for children in our community that don't have enough, they're food insecure, they don't have enough food on the weekends, like in normal times. And so they pack backpacks so that the kids can take them home all weekend and have something to eat. And we would hear that these kids didn't have food and we're like, pimento cheese sandwiches, will they eat that? <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, whatever it was, um, it was great to, to be here right next door to hear that. But, um, and, but Liza, even you, I mean, you were talking yeah. refs and you know, all around the South, you know, I that one say I felt it too, even technically from prior way, but speaking with people down there, um, individual chefs at restaurants, just what can I do to help, you know, who, of course they're struggling to keep their business open too, but that was some really cool moments that I'll never forget in my, for the rest of my career, just in that, like, let's do this together. What can we do? And there were a few distributors too, that obviously in some ways were struggling, but doing sidewalk sales out of their warehouse to move cheese and continuing to buy and, you know, helping us get connected to certain retailers who are willing to help. And, you know, it really was about being humble and just saying like, we need help. And just being comfortable saying that. And, you know, um, so I felt it too. I definitely did. Well, here in Seattle, we aren't quite fully open yet. We're only about restaurants are only about halfway. They're only about 50% right now. Yeah. Um, and I know that things are a little bit different down in the South. Um, <laughs> but as we're moving towards the summer, how are you, how are y'all feeling? Like, do you feel that really big push is kind of really happening or are people being still a little conservative? I mean, we, Georgia is wide open, Florida is wide open. Like I, I told Liza, this was so crazy that this even came up, but my 16 year old, we're driving back from Tallahassee. He had a baseball lesson the other night and he goes, mom, is COVID still a thing? He was like, I can't even remember the last time that somebody had to be quarantined for contact tracing. And I was like, you're right. I haven't gotten any of those emails from school in a while. So um, we are wide open, like, you know, um, and, but we also are very, very rural. I think that if you are in the cities and from what I've heard, like Atlanta, Savannah, Columbus, Macon, it is a lot different, you know, schools are still doing, you know, a couple days in and a couple days out. Whereas being in our community, our kids have been in school this whole time, you know, this whole year. So, um, I think that that's maybe an advantage of being in a rural setting, you know, and having a lot more space and less people. So um, we definitely feel that it is coming back on. And I think Florida definitely, I mean, they're, you know, Florida's always ready to party. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you look on like Airbnb or anything, there is like zero occupancy <laughs> availability um, in Florida. So people are going for sure. Yeah. And, and I guess from, from my perspective, you know, pimento cheese um, seems to, people are excited about it for summertime specifically just with like barbecues and picnics and all that. So I'm feeling like we're going to have a nice summer of pimento 
you know, features and, and push. Um, and, and that's great because we need that. And um, it kind of helps balance out the other raw milk cheeses that are slowly but surely coming back. And, you know, we're still seeing, we're, we're really grateful to have a mixture of bulk wheels and exact weight UPC items. And I've, I've said like, thank you to myself or to Sweetgrass, like every, like every day about that, you know, that's made my job a lot easier to have the, the mixture of types of items because it just makes a difference, you know? Right. Well, I'm glad we're calling this summer pimento summer because <laughs> I am here for it. I mean, hot girl summer is fine, but um, pimento summer, better. even better for me. <laughs> I love that. I know it's still really early to think about the holidays, but um, how do you feel about going into that realm? Do you think that it, we're still going to see big e-commerce or do you think it's going to be more like in the stores? It's hard to say. I was, um, I'm involved with the S San Francisco cheese fest. I've been on the planning committee. Um, and, uh, we were talking about this yesterday on a call, like no one really knows the answer and it's really hard to figure out like here in Bay area about whether to plan an in-person event or not later this year. And I don't know, I, I just, at this point, I'm just trusting that it's gonna be better. And I just feel like I have to believe that. Um, and in, all we can do is look in our own community, micro examples of our friends and families. And it does feel like people really wanna gather again and are gonna wanna be together at the holidays in person as best they can. So I think it's gonna be a good year for, for cheese in the holidays. I, I can't speak as much to the e-com thing. I mean, I do think there'll be a little bit of a give and take where if retail picks up, e-com will go down a little bit, but I also think people got used to sending their family across country a box of cheese, you know, for the holidays. And I th I'm really hoping they'll still wanna do that and that will still be popular. All right. Is there anything in particular that you would like people to know about, about what you guys are doing for the, this year or just anything in general? Um, well, I will say, you know, just like Liza said that she really relied on her network of people. I, I think that although we weren't able to travel and see each other in person, that there was some really great opportunities that happen virtually. Like I know that I, I feel closer to all of my cheesemaker friends, you know, after COVID because whether, I mean, I also joined the ACS board, so I'm like seeing them more, but you know, I also am part of this guild outreach group and, you know, seeing, talking to guild leaders and hearing what's going on in different regions. And you're absolutely right. Like there, the challenges probably in Seattle and in Thomasville, Georgia, were very different throughout the pandemic, but we both had challenges just in different manners. And so there was just some of these really great commonalities that we all had and, and problem solving, but then also just kind of being there for each other and um, really developing that sense of community, even though it was virtual. I, I feel really fortunate that we were in, in cheese because I could pick up the phone and, you know, call Lynn or Pat or so anybody and say, I, we're, we can't source packaging materials for e-commerce. Where are you getting yours? And, and our industry is so helpful. And, um, you know, all the victory cheese boxes, we did one with Sequatchie and Boxcar and Goat Lady, and it was so fun. And, you know, just staying in, in touch with all those people. I think my biggest worry, honestly, is that I'm seeing this 
within our own employees. And I know that just hearing, you know, being part of that guild outreach group, and this is something that is happening across the country, but, you know, in the past, we always knew that Q4 was going to be really, really hard. So we mentally would prepare for it. Um, you build up inventory starting in the summer and you plan your marketing and you, you, you know, write out your labor schedules and finances. And so you get prepared and then you know it's going to be really hard and you dig in and then you get through it and you go to fancy food show and then there's a little lull, <laughs> like there's a little break that you can like mentally take a break or have a vacation or something. And I just worry, I, I see this within our own employees that people are, they've been operating that way for a year. Like there, there hasn't been a downtime. It's been like in this fight or flight, you know, cortisol overload for a year and it's just not sustainable. So I think if we go from zero to 100 on travel again, <laughs> and like burn ourselves out, like both ends, I just, I really worry about that balance and like mental health and, you know, just being able to, to manage, you know, our energy and our, our um, effectiveness. So I think that it will be important for us for the rest of the year to really think about initiatives of giving people breaks and, and how to, because I don't know about you, but I feel like when people were working from home, they were working more because you could never really take a break. And um, so what does that look like moving forward and, and trying to give people some catch up time before we get right back into that Q4? And like Liza said, it's a roller coaster. Just emotionally, it's hard. I mean, even as someone who has been unemployed for the last year and has been at home, this is not my natural state of being. I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. And it's funny that you had mentioned, like some people don't want to go to trade shows. I do. I'm that person that is like, I want to go say hi to everybody. I want to talk to everybody. So this being at home has been really tough. And I think that it's just a matter of, um, everybody has a different level of what they've been dealing with. And so having those conversations around mental health and really being intentional about how we do things to kind of accommodate for everybody's mental health in that world, it's, it's a lot, but I think that it's going to be important for us to move forward in that realm. Yeah. I think it comes back to just the, the mini communities that we all have within this greater cheese community. And I know I was on a few, you know, text group chains, whatever this year with other salespeople and cheese. And, you know, I don't know what I would have done without just that connection um, where I normally see these people in person at different events. But, you know, I, I couldn't talk to my regular friends and family about a lot of the struggles because it's just hard. Like these are the people who get it, you know, and our bonds are now even stronger, I think, because we went through all this together and, and it just continues on. I mean, it's, it's about the quick, like, do you know this buyer's name? Do you know their number? What are they, you know, da, da, da. like, and it's just, for me, it's a no brainer, like whatever you need, it's always going to come back around and we just all have to help each other, you know, in the entire cheese industry, but I would say specifically within American cheese makers too, you know? Yeah. And I would build on that too, um, that we did a lot of things that seem kind of counterintuitive, but like in the spirit of generosity in like, knowing that it was going to come back to us. So for six months, maybe more, actually it was maybe after Christmas, we, um, 
we gave a free half pound piece of tome in every order, whether it was e-commerce or in the cheese shop that just, well, one, we were sitting on so much of it, but, you know, two was like, why not people, you know, maybe if this brings joy to, you know, somebody, then it's worth it. And um, so it was really kind of great to see people now they're coming back into the restaurant to eat and they're like, we just looked forward to that piece of tome. Thank you so much. It was so, you know, generous. And, um, and like Liza said, if, if anybody reached out to us and asked us for a contact or anything, we're like, yes, here, we'll help you. And I remember, you know, a couple of cheesemakers that didn't have in the South that didn't have e-commerce sites or they only sold to food service. And so I, you know, sent them a list of just buyers that I knew in like wholesale accounts that we had that would buy their cheese and just, you know, anything that we could do to help because it'll come back for sure. I think that that's one of the fortunate things about being in our industry for the most part, this is how it works. And we look out for each other because everybody is in, you know, all the boats are a little bit different, but they're all still riding the same tide. So <laughs> we might as well help each other out. So everybody stays afloat. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. And, you know, I really appreciate everything that you guys have done. And I just, you know, I love y'all. I think you're great. Aww. And you make delicious cheese, all of it. It's wonderful. Thank so. you. Thank you. Well, thank you for documenting all of this, not just us, but everybody. It's mm -hmm. an awesome quest that you have taken on. So we appreciate that. I'm not going to lie. This recording was incredibly inspiring to me, and I could have chatted with Jessica and Liza all day. Their spirit shows the grit and determination it takes to get through while also showing that community and giving back are essential to the survival of any business. Thank you to Jessica and Liza for lifting our spirits and talking about the real difficulties that are still to come. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha, with a supporting feature role by my husband, Ben Muha, contributing on editing and music. To support the show, Please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. There, you'll find the full video recording of the conversation, discount codes for merch in my online shop, get a sneak peek at the next guest, and even submit questions for future episodes. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curds.